0: Genesis chapter 40 Genesis chapter 40 and I want to preach this morning on good news versus bad news. Good news versus bad news. Everybody loves good news. Nobody likes bad news. And so many people get the good news and they think they're a part of it and they're not a part of it. They're not a part of that good news. It's actually going to be bad news. But I I want want to Go back up, though, to Genesis chapter 30. You're in Genesis. Go to chapter 39, verse 21, because we need to get the context of chapter 40 because it it, it actually ends there at verse 21. So so go up a couple verses up to Genesis chapter 39, verse 21. And what's happening here? Well, Joseph, he was sold into bondage. He was given this prophecy by God that all his family was going to bow down to him. Of course, his brothers hated him for that. And his brothers got, the first chance they got, because he was favored by his father, he was wearing a coat of many colors, he was favored by his father. First chance his brothers got, when he got off in the wilderness with them, they took him and they threw him in a pit, they were going to kill him. And Reuben talked them into saving him. He said, don't kill him, let's not kill him. But Reuben was just kind of playing games. He should have saved him right there. But Reuben went off, and Reuben came back. They had took Joseph, sold him into bondage, and he was carried down into Egypt as a bondservant, as a bondslave. So poor old Joseph, here he is as a teenager, and he's lost his family, he's lost his brothers, he's lost his mom and dad, and he's all alone. He's there in in, in Potiphar's house. And guess what God does? God blesses him. God blesses him. So God blesses him. Everything he touches, his hand, God prospers it. Potiphar's house explodes. Potiphar's house becomes very prosperous. And Potiphar's smart enough to figure this out. And he says, man, everything this guy touches turns to gold. I'm going to let him rule everything. And he was in control of everything except he couldn't touch Potiphar's wife. Well, Potiphar's wife, being full of the devil, wanted Joseph. And she kept going after Joseph, trying to get Joseph to get in bed with her. And Joseph wouldn't have no part of it. He was living a good, godly life. He was a good, godly man. Well, she set him up. She had him in the house alone. He was in there. She tried to grab him. He ran out. His clothes ripped. She kept the clothes. Said He tried to come in here and rape me. Potiphar got home. Potiphar could have killed him. But if you study the Bible, you look at it, it implies that Potiphar kind of figured that she was lying. And, but he had to do something, you know, to save face. So poor old Joseph, he's thrown into prison. Now, Joseph came out of out of all that misery in the pit, and he got down in the prison, I mean, into the Potiphar's house, and Potiphar, and living in Potiphar's house, he was a good servant, and he was rising up and he was in control. And you know it had to come to Joseph's mind that he said, you know what? I, I'm doing okay here. You know, I, I can eat anything I want to, I can tell these people what to do, and this isn't such a bad life, and my brothers aren't out to kill me now. And you know, and you know that Joseph was kind of getting comfortable in that life, but God had something bigger for Joseph. But he had to keep sending Joseph down. It goes from bad for Joseph to worse, and now it's going to get even worse. Look at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Now I mentioned this last time I was preaching on this, but it's do good to say it again. No matter how bad things get for you, the Lord's never going to forsake you. The Lord's never going to forsake you, and He's still with you. And as bad as it got for Joseph, because you know, Joseph had to doubt. You know, Joseph's there, and He's like, I had this vision, and I feel like God showed me everybody's going to bow down to me. What do you think that vision's like when He's sitting in prison and He's there, and they got Him chained up? And He's like, Why did God tell me that? You know, He had to start kind of doubting what was going on. But the Lord was still with Him, and look what He does for Joseph in verse 22 and the keeper of the prison. Committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was a doer of it. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Christian, I don't care where you're at in your life. You might be at the lowest job you can be, and trust me, I'm a trash man. You know what the city of Brownwood? I, I, I pick up truck, I pick up a brush, and I, I run a crane truck, and I do these different things. But I'm just a glorified trash man because uh, whenever there's a trash route that needs to be run, and somebody calls in, guess who runs it? I am. So you, if you go into Brownwood, you might see you might see Brother Keegan operating a trash truck. <laughs> But don't, don't think I'm a trash man because I'm very, very prosperous in the Lord. And that don't mean that I'm rich. That means I'm very, very successful in the Lord, meaning that I'm very content, I'm very happy. And even if you throw somebody like Joseph into prison, the Lord's still making him prosper. Amen. Amen. I'm the most prosperous trash man you know. Amen. <laughs> I'm just messing around with y'all guys. But so you got the idea. The Lord made it to prosper. So it's the Lord's doing. And we're going to give the Lord all the credit. Right? We give the Lord all the credit. So now let's go on and see what happens to Joseph while he's in prison. That's where we want to pick up the story in chapter 40, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and the chief of the bakers. And he put them in the ward in the house of the captain of the guard, into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. and the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued a season in war. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. The Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm just praying, Lord, in the humble name of Jesus Christ, Father, and I'm praying to you humble Lord, humbly, Lord, that Father, there's somebody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ, Lord. They can't think of a time that they've received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, that if they were to die tonight, Lord, they wouldn't know if they would go to heaven or hell. Father, I'm praying, Lord, that you would speak to the heart the truth. And Lord, as we give the invitation after this sermon, Lord God, that they would come on down and get saved, Lord. Father, I want to thank you for the salvation we have in Jesus Christ, Lord, that it's a It's not not anything that we do. It's everything that's been done. And, Father, we want to thank you for the grace and the mercy that's found in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And, Father, I just pray your Holy Spirit will move, Father, among us this morning, leading, guiding, teaching us, Father. Lord, as we get through this scripture, Father, as we see this story, Lord God, that it'll come alive off the paper, Lord God, and we'll see it as it's happening. And, Lord, teach us. Help us to glean something out of it, Father. Help us to live a better Christian life for you and for our Savior. And, Lord, thank you for loving us. Father, I ask a special blessing on everybody here this morning. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. So going back up to uh, verse one, and it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. So this is the chief butler. This is the chief baker. So you got the chief butler, you got the chief baker, and, and they're in trouble here. So as you went through this series of sermons with we found out that Joseph is the greatest type of Jesus Christ in the Bible. And Jesus Christ is shown all through Joseph's life. Guys, it's not just Joseph, though. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus Christ. And you'll see Jesus Christ everywhere in this Bible when you study it. But what we found out that Joseph's such a great type. And here we have Joseph as Jesus Christ. We have the Butler, he is the repentant thief, and we have the baker, and he's the unrepentant thief. Joseph is Jesus Christ on the cross. You've got the repentant thief. You've got the unrepentant thief when Jesus Christ is being crucified. All those types are in here. In verse 2, it says, And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. It doesn't matter how important you are. These guys, that's the chief of the butlers. He's the top dog of the dog. He's the chief baker. He's the top baker. It doesn't matter how important you are. God's wrath can be on you. And that's one thing the world doesn't get. The world thinks that They're walking through this world and they're like, I'm trying to live a pretty good life. I'm living a better life than my neighbor. And they think that when they finally die, they think if there is some invisible God, that they'll stand before this God one day and they'll stand there and he's going to open up a book and he's going to judge them and he'll take all their good deeds and put it on one side of the scale, take all their bad deeds and put it on this side of the scale. And if it weighs out to where the good deeds are more than the bad deeds, then he'll let them into the pearly gates. And that's how they see it. They don't ever talk about hell. But that's how they see God. That's not what the Bible says. What the Bible teaches us that when you're born into this world and you get to the age of accountability, the wrath of God starts abiding on you. Yeah. Jesus Christ warned them. People love John three sixteen, and I do too. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But two verses later, just two verses later, Jesus Christ says, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. That's Jesus Christ. Believe on Him. You won't be condemned. But this is what He said, and this should scare you if you're not saved. This is what He said, but he that believeth not is condemned already. (laughs) It's not that you're going to be condemned later. You're going to stand before God and He's going to judge you. You've already been judged. John 3, 36, He says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. Now get this. Get it if you're going to get anything this morning. But the wrath of God abideth on him. If you're not a saved Christian, if you're not a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you're walking around with the wrath of God on you. That should scare you. That's bad news. That's bad news. And that's what happened with these guys. They both got bad news. They both were somewhere in the, in the in Pharaoh's house and they were living the life. They were under the richest man in the world and they were the richest of the rich and they're walking around and then one day, somebody comes up and says, the king's mad at you. What'd I do? I don't know. king's mad at you. Come on. And the baker's in the kitchen and he's baking and somebody comes into the kitchen and says, hey boy, yeah, come here. You don't talk to me that way. You know who? I'm the chief baker. No, the king's mad at you. Pharaoh's mad at you. Come on, come with me. And they had the prisoners there and they took them and threw them into prison. And they're laying there in prison with Joseph. And oh, Joseph, he was bound too. Verse 3, And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. So some people have kind of got this idea that Joseph was in the prison and he was just running around doing whatever he wanted to do, which he did have a lot of freedom there. But the Bible tells us in Psalm 105 that he was bound in fetters and he was bound in a chain. So at nighttime, he would go and he'd get bound back up and, of course, he'd be in prison. And when when it was daytime, he was like a trustee. They would let him out. He would go out and he would do some things. But he was still bound. He's still in prison. It wasn't nothing good. Amen. It wasn't nothing good. I mean, he, he's making something good out of a bad situation. And when you get in that bad situation, I don't care what it is, you need to just turn it over to the Lord. You need to get under Jesus Christ and say, Lord, help me make something good out of this bad situation. And that's what Joseph was doing there. He's making something good out of a bad situation. I went into the prisons there in the Hughes unit with Brother... Uh, Brother Henry and some great men of God. I mean, I'm just a simple guy. And I get in there and all these prisoners are in there. And uh, we get in there and, man, they're just, uh, it's just it's amazing to see the trustees and some of the things they do. And uh, we got in there and they were feeding us and they were taking care of us. And, man, they were like, hey, you want some more food, man? You want some more of this? You want some more of that? And I think, man, this guy, I mean, I just want to take this guy home with me. He's like a good friend. I mean, he just, he's so wonderful. But, but the truth is that he's still bound. He's still in prison. He has a smile on his face, but he's making the best of a bad situation. Let's go on to verse 5. And they dreamed a dream. This is the butler and this is the baker. And they dreamed a dream, both of them. Each man his dream in one night. Each man according to the interpretation of his dream. The butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning, and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? <laughs> you know, only somebody walking close to the Lord would ask such a stupid question, you know. These guys have been thrown in prison. Pharaoh's out to get them. Pharaoh's the most powerful man in the world, is mad at them, thrown them in prison. And here comes Joseph, and he walks in and he goes, What are y'all so sad about today? See, only a Christian, only somebody walking close to the Lord could ask a question like that. Well, dummy. I mean, I'm, I'm in prison. Why do you think I'm sad? Joseph's walk with the Lord gave him a smile in his darkest of times. You got to understand that when Joseph was walking around in that prison, he walked around with a smile on his face. Joseph walked around with a smile on his face. Now, some of y'all think if I ever get thrown in prison, I couldn't ever. I'd be so mad. I'd be. You know what? If you let the Lord work on you, you'd be amazing. What a, what the Lord can do with you. I uh, visited this. Uh, uh, Patsy knows Cat Armstrong. My wife knows Cat Armstrong. She's a girl that was in prison for, I guess, how many how, how many years was uh, Catherine in prison? Maybe eight years, seven, eight years, and. We would go visit her and everything, and uh, she would brighten us, and we write writing her back, and she was getting close to the Lord, she was trying to get everything right in her life. And I remember going, I remember sitting out there in a visit, visitation room with all us free guys, okay? And we're in the visitation room, and look over here, and this guy's over here looking like he just got through killing his mom, and look over there, and this, you know, and I'm like, man, this will be a fight break out in here, you know, I, I, they won't let me carry a gun in here. This is the craziest, minute. and then we went through the, we went into the room, and they had them all lined up on the other side of the glass, and they have phones, you know, and the prisoners and others side, and they have phones, and we go sit down, and here comes Cat, and she comes in, and she sits down, and her face, I mean, brothers and sisters, her face was glowing. I mean, literally, it felt like her face was glowing, and I, I was like, I picked the phone and said, well, how are you doing, sister? She said, I'm so happy. Lord Jesus Christ has been so good to me. This has been answered and that's been answered. The Lord's been so good to me. And I told her, you know what's so hilarious? You, you're so bright. Your, your, your face is shining through this glass as a prisoner in a prison house. And people on the other side of the glass that's about to walk out of here free, they're all sourpusses. <laughs> what's the difference? Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus. If you don't have a taste of Jesus, you don't know what I'm talking about. In your darkest hours, Jesus Christ will give you a smile, and you'll say stupid stuff like, why are you so sad you're just laying in bed at a hospital? Why are you so sad you just had everything happen to you? You just lost everything you found. Why are you so sad? That's why, that's why as Christians sometimes we say some of the stupidest things. Because we're not thinking physically, we're thinking spiritually. As Christians, we're walking around this world. We know this is not our home. We're just pilgrims, and we know heaven's waiting on the other side. And some of this stuff that the world takes so serious, the world takes so serious some of this stuff, to us Christians, it's like, that's just silly. You know, it's just a house. It's just a car. It's just... Look, it's that much closer to getting to heaven. It's just that much closer to getting to heaven. Why be so sad? Why be... Wherefore look ye so sadly today. I, I love that, I love that. Sometimes, sometimes the word of God just brings a chuckle to me right there. Verse 8, and they said unto him, Here it is, we have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them. Tell me them, I pray you. Amen. And why I say amen is, is that the, that's an that's a, that's a honest, truthful statement. Only God can interpret the word of God. If God's the one to give you that dream, only God can interpret it. And what Joseph's saying is the the, the Holy Spirit's been in me, the Holy Spirit's used me. I've noticed that. And if you'll talk to me, God will talk to me and I can tell it to you. What he's doing is he's trying to give the glory back to God. He's trying to say is God's the only one that can interpret what God says. Gotta get that. There's no priest. There's no professor, there's no scholar, there's no pope, there's no rabbi, there's no pastor, there's no church, there's no college, there's no seminary. Nobody can interpret the words of God but God. And you need to get the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. If you're a born-again believer, you got the Holy Spirit. You might be quenching Him. You might have Him drove away. You might have Him really having a hard time working in your life. Man, you need to get Him in you. You need to get Him working in you. The Holy Spirit's in you, you need to get Him working. Don't have Him quenched, don't have Him turned off, man. Let Him flow in you, let the Holy Spirit in you. And you'll be amazed what He'll show you out of His words. But if you're going to try to open this Bible and you're not a born-again believer, you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you, it's not going to work. And you'll be lucky if the Holy Spirit will open the words to you if you're lost and show you where you're going to hell. And I thank the Lord for doing that. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. So all interpretations belong to God. And as a matter of fact, I've seen so many of these young men that go off to seminary and the professors in the seminary ruin them. And then they come back and they, 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 they don't know any more Bible and, and, the, and the seminaries took this King James Bible away from them. They forgot that interpretation belongs to God. We forget the spiritual side of things. We go up there and we think it's a fle- we think about the flesh and how we we gotta study this and we gotta study that and we forget that there's a spiritual side to things and we always forget the spiritual side of things. That man can study the Bible and read the Bible and analyze the Bible, but without the Spirit of God, you're wasting your time. You've got to have the Holy Spirit in you working in you, and if you're reading this Bible and you're born-again believer, and you say, Brother Keegan, I don't understand that. Well, get in line. I don't understand it either. But you know what's happened in my life as a Christian? I've read through this Bible, and I'll be like, well, I don't understand that. And then the next time I'm reading it, all of a sudden, boink, this light comes on, the Holy Spirit shows me something. like, oh, I get it. It wasn't time for me to know that. I'm glad God doesn't give it to me all at once. I couldn't handle it. My brain would go, you know, I mean, just, I, I, I couldn't, we can't handle God's truth. Amen. And you know how you know that God wrote this? Because this thing's smarter than you. This thing's designed greater than any man could have designed it. That's what makes it so special. Amen, that's what makes it so special. Verse nine, the chief butler told his dream to Joseph. Here's the dream. And said to him, in my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches, and it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Now here's another great type that's going to show up here in the Bible. This is a great type of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper table. And we got this right up here, because this is where we usually put the bread and the, and the grape juice, the Lord's Supper. And that butler represents The wine. And that's what's going on here. He's bringing forth gripe, the ripe grapes, and the butler, what he would do is he'd take those grapes, he'd squeeze it in a cup, see? He'd squeeze it in a cup. You know what the Bible calls that? Which the world forgot this word, and the world forgot it because they're a bunch of drunks. It's called new wine. You squeeze this out, you squeeze that, and it becomes new wine. We call it grape juice. We call it, it wasn't fermented. It was freshly squeezed. Don't turn there, but you can write this verse down in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 65, verse 8. That's where, it, that's where it describes to you what new wine is. and Not fermented wine, but new wine. So this type is that Jesus Christ is the, Lord's, is the one that's doing the Lord's Supper, and the butler is the wine, and the baker, which is the bread, is the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All these types are in there. Man, I I just I'm sorry I get on these rabbit trails, but I love I love these tops that you find, that you find in there. So you have him squeezing out the Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's Pharaoh's hand. Verse 12. And Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler. Woo-wee, good news. Really good news. Was it three days? That mind you something? Jesus Christ rose on the third day. See all those types in there? The third day. Jesus rose on the third day. He said, listen, in three days, verse 13, yet within three days... Shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee into thy place and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup in his hand after the former manner. when thou wast that? That's really, really good news. Praise the Lord for that. And you know he did. He praised the Lord. Like, oh man, I can't. And you know because he believed Joseph and he believed the words of Joseph and he believed Joseph to be true. So Joseph says something to him that's very, very important here. Look at verse 14. But think on me when it shall be well with thee and show kindness I pray thee unto me and make mention of me unto Pharaoh and bring me out of this house for indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon he's an innocent man our lord and savior jesus christ was an innocent man but he said think on me and that's what the lord's supper is about the lord's supper it's about do this in remembrance and remembrance and remembrance of me. We're supposed to thank on Jesus Christ. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. The Lord wants us to remember him. I ran into a guy, me and my wife were going up to see Brother Raymond up the hospital, and I ran into a guy there at Pottsville. I'm not gonna name any names because y'all everybody knows everybody here. If I say my name, I'll be like, but it's my uncle or something. You know? I'll be out there and you see pastor out there, you know, somebody trying to fight him or something. You don't say it, but and I'm not saying nothing bad about him, but I'm saying when I stop and talk to him and invite him to church and everything, man, what do you think he said first time in his mouth? Oh, I don't want to go to church. I don't like to be in church. I can worship God out here in my barn, you know. I can worship him better in church. Amen. And we're not gonna get in, I know I go into these ra. <laughs> I get into that because the people are not taking advantage of God's blessing of a church. It's a blessing to have a place to come in and worship God. It's a blessing to be in a country that allows us to come in and worship God freely. Guys, we've had people die, bleed, shed their blood so me and you can open up a Bible and preach. I stand on a corner sometimes at the corner in Hamilton and sometimes at Darren Brownwood and I street preach and I hold up this Bible and I have a right, thanks to men and women who died to give me that right. We live in a great country. As bad as this country's gotten, we still have the freedoms to do what we need to do. And we have, we have the freedom and the luxury and the blessing to be able to come into church and gather together and sing songs and to glorify Jesus Christ and some people just sit there and go, ah, I don't need that. And boy, are they missing out. Amen, they're missing out. They really are missing out on all the blessings that come from just serving the Lord. Listen, his testimony is this. I don't need church. Well, Okay, that's that's your opinion, that's your testimony. Let me give you my testimony. I need church. I love church. I couldn't do without church. I want to be in church. I want to be around other brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to hear preaching. I want to hear singing. I want to hear about Jesus Christ. Because you know what happens when I get in my car and I drive away from church? I don't hear about Jesus Christ. I don't hear about him on the TV. I don't hear about him on the radio. Nobody talks about Jesus Christ. It's very, very rare. And when they do talk about Jesus Christ, they don't talk about salvation in Jesus Christ. Some of the preachers you see on TV, they'll get right up there to it, and then they back away. No, tell us what we need in Jesus Christ. Don't tell us, I know Jesus is a great man. I know Jesus Christ was a healer. I know all of that about Jesus Christ. But that's not what's important about Jesus Christ. What's important about Jesus Christ is that He's the Savior of the world. He died for your sins. He bled on the cross that you might have eternal life and that you need it. Because hell's waiting on you. The wrath of God abideth on you. We need more preaching like that. We need more. But you don't get it outside of the churches. The world will let you talk about Jesus, and then they'll throw in Muhammad in there and Buddha, and they'll try to put them all together. But they don't want to tell you that Jesus Christ is very, very special and the Son of God. They don't like that at all. And that's why I don't like them. That's why I don't like them. See, listen to me, man. Some of y'all, y'all look at Jesus like he's just like this character from a, from a fictional 2,000 years ago, Jesus was, and he died, and that was, a, you know, but to me, Jesus Christ is a very very dear friend Amen. he's not a philosopher, he's not an idea he's a living savior that I talk to every day and, and I believe he talks to me through the spirit, and, 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 and takes care of me, and I trust in him so when you're talking bad about Jesus, you're talking about one of mine, one of my family members Somebody that's very, very dear to me. That's how I look at it. Amen. That's exactly how I look at it. All right. So he says, remember me. Verse 16. So he he got the good news. He got the good news. Well, here comes verse 16. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head. Now let's stop there. Notice it says, when he saw that the interpretation was good. What do you think he would have done if, if, if Joseph would have said, Well, Butler, I've got, ba- got bad news for you. In three days, uh, jo- uh, Pharaoh's going to hang you, and you're going to die. You think the baker would have said, Oh, goody, 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 tell me, tell me. What? Is it, am I going to die too? No. He would have said over in the corner and said, That guy right there is a liar. He don't know what he's talking about. But as soon as he saw Joseph give good news to the butler, and you know the butler's face lit up, and the butler's like, oh, I believe you. I really believe you're getting an interpretation of God. You know that baker's over here, and he said, well, well t- tell me about my dream. You gave him the good news, tell, tell me. And that's how the world acts. The world's all about getting the good and not getting the bad. And what I mean by that is the world loves all the good news, but they don't like the truth. And we were warned about that. Paul said in the latter times, he said in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, I'm going to read it to you. For the time will come, and it's come, where they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall heap the, to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. That's the world we're living in right now. They don't want to hear anything bad. They want to hear all about the good. But you can't appreciate the good unless you know about the bad. Brother, Dr. Ruppman used to say this. I never got it until years later. He used to say, you've got to have a convict before you can have a convert. And what he meant by that is you've got to have somebody who's convicted of their sin. you got to have somebody who knows they're in prison to sin. You've got somebody who knows they're going to hell. When you have that person, then you can have somebody who's saved, somebody who can receive Jesus Christ. Because until you know where you're going, you don't know where you need to go. You're living in a world, you think everything's all right. No, not everything. The wrath of God is on you, God is after you. You're condemned. You're going to hell. And when you hear about that, and when you first hear that from a preacher, from the Word of God, from a Sunday school teacher, maybe a brother, a sister, a mom, or dad, when you first hear about that and you hear about hell, that's good for you. That's bad news, but it's good for you. Because you need to hear that. Jesus Christ said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Once you know the truth, and it's not a good truth, amen. nobody wants to hear that. But once you hear that truth, it's what you need to hear, and it changes you. Here's the problem, and this is what I wanted to preach on this morning, and I'm going to make it quick, but what I'm trying to say to you is there's good news and there's bad news, but so many people, and I hear this all the time, so many people, they hear Christians talking about heaven. Well, I'm going to heaven, I'm singing about heaven, and heaven in the pearly gates and the streets of gold, and they hear us talking about heaven, they just assume that's where they're going to. They just assume, well, yeah, it's good news, it's good news, it's good news. Well, tell me about it. Yeah, I'm going to come over here. One of these scariest, frighteningest verses in the whole Bible is where Jesus Christ said they came to Him and they said, Lord, have we not cast out devils in Your name? Lord, have we not prophesied in Your name? And Jesus Christ turns to them and says, Depart from me, I never knew you. Here's a guy that's preaching Jesus, that's casting out devils in Jesus' name, and Jesus says, I never knew you. So many people are walking through this world assuming, well, my mom and dad went to heaven. My my grandma and granddad, they talked about heaven. They talked about being a Christian. And you know, I guess I'm a Christian. And you're not a Christian. You're hearing the good news, and you're associating yourself with that good news, but I've got bad news for you. I've got bad news for you, and he's about to get it. Don't ever assume you're going to heaven. You need to know you have eternal life. You say, I can think of a time where I bowed my head and I asked Jesus Christ to save me. I knew I was a sinner. I knew Jesus Christ was the Savior of the world. I believe He's resurrected. He's a risen Savior that when I'm talking to Him, He can hear me because He's not just some philosophy, some idea. He's alive. He's hearing me. So when I get down on my knees, I'm confessing with the mouth because the mouth shows where the heart's at. Lord Jesus Christ, please save me. You don't have to know everything. Just call out to Him as His Savior and ask Him to save you. If you can think of a time He did that, you're saved. But don't just assume it. I hear so many people talk about, oh, my loved one's in heaven and this one's in heaven. You know how many times I've heard people talk about their loved one being in hell? Very, 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 very little. <laughs> think about it. You always hear about, oh yeah, my aunt, she's in heaven and I'm going to see him in heaven. All my loved ones are in heaven. How are you so sure about that? You know all these wicked people. How are you so sure they're in heaven? So I know this makes you uncomfortable, doesn't it? But it's the truth. And we need to think about that. What does this do to you? This means you need to get out and you need a witness to your aunt. You need a witness to your uncle. You need a witness to your loved ones. Make sure they're saved. Make sure they got the good news. Make sure that they're going to heaven. Don't just assume it. The truth is, not everybody's going to heaven. That's right. There's two great truths, and I try to get it through this church all the time, and I've been trying to preach it for years and years and years. The first great truth is we're not all the children of God. We're not. Now, you're created by God. You're, you're God. you're a creation by God, but you're not the child of God. And what I mean by that, you're not part of the family of God. Without Jesus Christ, you're not part of that family. You're still a child of the world, a child of disobedience. Jesus went on to say, you're a child of the devil. Amen. You need to be born again, come in, born into the family of God, become a son of God, then you're part of the family. That's the great truth. The second great truth is... We're not all going to heaven. We try every way we can through missionaries, through this church, through witnessing, through giving out gospel. We want everybody to go to heaven, but we're not all going to go. And that isn't because God chose some of us to go to heaven, and some of us, some of us go to heaven, some of us go to hell. That's because we have given the gospel, and they don't want it. Amen. But when the good news comes, it's like, okay, guys, load up. Let's all go to heaven. There's going to be people show up like it the Bible says and say, okay, uh, let me in. And the Lord's going to turn and said, I never knew you. But, 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 but I went to church out there at Indian Gap, and I, I, was, I was out there at the fellowship, and I was out. I don't know you. I, I was giving money to, in the church, and I, I, was, I was teaching Sunday school class, and I don't know you. Well, my mom my mama, my mama and dad went to church, and my grandma and granddad went to church, and, they, man, they raised me up singing the Christian songs on the hymnals. I, I never knew you. Because it isn't about your works. It's about have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen. You're not going to ride the coattails of your pastor or your mom and dad, your granddad or your grandma into heaven. You're not going to do it. God's not going to allow you to do it. Amen. You're not going to ride the coattails. You're going to go in. You're going to go in by yourself. Yes. It's your soul. It's your freedom. Yes. It's your free will God's given you, which is a beautiful gift to say yes or no. He, gets the, he hears the good news, so he wants it. When the chief saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also, excuse me, I also was in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket, there was of all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh and the birds to eat them out of the basket upon my head. Now, what's represented here in this top is you have this top of salvation. Joseph, of course, is Jesus Christ. The butler... The butler that's saved, that gets saved by Pharaoh, he's the blood. New wine, the wine, the grape juice, that represents the blood. And the baked meats, that's man's works. That represents works. So what that's showing you, what that's giving you a type of is that you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. The butler that has the blood, he's saved. The man that's trying to do the works, he's lost. It's been like that from the very beginning. From the very beginning. How big, how, Cain and Abel show up. God says, I find favor with Abel's sovereign. I don't find favor with Cain's. Well, what happened? Abel brought up a sacrifice of blood. God says, I favor that. Cain brought up a sacrifice of his own hands. Look what the work I've done for you. You're not saved by works. You're not going to work your way into heaven. You're going to take Jesus Christ or you're going to take nothing. You're going to take Jesus Christ and the precious blood, or you're going to go to hell. It's one way. Why is that, brother? Why? Because God is going to get all the glory. In the end, Jesus Christ is going to get all the glory. You're not going to stand in heaven and say, well, you know what I did for God? You know what I did? And you're not going to be boasting. You won't be boasting in heaven. You know what you're going to be doing in heaven? Saying, there He is, Jesus Christ. Amen. There He is. Oh, and let's sing, and let's dance, and let's shout for glory. It's all going to be about him, and God wants it that way. It's not going to be about you. Let's see what Joseph interprets this at. You know this is bad. Because you know birds in the Bible are are a type of uh, unclean spirits or demons. So he's got baked meats, he's got birds, that's never good. Verse 18, And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee, and shall hang thee on a tree, and the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. Ooh, ooh. bad news. <laughs> I bet he wishes he wouldn't ask now, huh? Yeah. Don't y'all know that? Did somebody ever come? If somebody could come up to you and say, "Okay, I can tell you when you're gonna die," I would want to know. No, 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 no. <laughs> Cause wouldn't that change you? Wouldn't that change you, like the way you do, I mean, how much time you're spending on that stupid TV? Wouldn't that change you when you think you'd turn the TV off, go spend time with your grandkids, with your kids, with your family, with your wife? Yeah, it'd change you. Don't you know we're all going to die? we are all got days numbered. Amen, yeah. So we need to be thinking that way. So, bad news. Bad news. Real, real bad news. Verse 20. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday. That he made a feast unto all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler, putting him where he's supposed to be, and of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. You know, the Jehovah's Witness uses this verse 20 where it says Pharaoh's birthday because they say, See, we don't sell it. You ever wonder why JW Jehovah's Witness? Don't celebrate birthdays. This is one of the reasons. They say right there in verse 20 because on, on, on a birthday something really bad happened in the Bible. Well, yeah, but something really good happened too. Right? But, that, but, but if you are a baker and you're trying to get in by your works, yeah, something really bad's going to happen to you. But if you're like me and you're just trusting in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, something really good is going to happen to you. Amen. Celebrate birthdays. Don't be a stupid Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> They don't know how to interpret their Bible. You say, Brother Keegan, you just call them stupid. Yeah, because they are stupid. And I've been calling them stupid for years and years and years. Not, they don't understand the word of God. They're spiritually ignorant. And they're spreading a the lie. That's what we need more of. As somebody standing up and saying, God didn't say that, you're a liar. The word of God doesn't teach that. It teaches this. Amen. Amen. We need to be bold. We got the truth. Amen. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Amen. We don't want to be dogs. We're lions. It says the verse 22, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. You know what Joseph said? You're going to live and you're going to die. You know what Jesus Christ said? He that believeth on me is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. If Jesus says it, you can take it to the bank. I'm telling you, when He says it, you can just write it down. Everything He said has came to pass. It's amazing. People ask me, why do you believe this Bible is written by men? It's not written by God. It's a simple one one word prophecy. Because when God says it out of here, it's happened over and over. It's scary. So the things that haven't happened yet, I believe they're going to happen because I've got the proof of prophecy through history. Prophecy. The Spirit of the Lord, the testimony of, the, the Spirit of, the, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the Spirit of prophecy, revelation. That's His testimony, Prophesy. I'll tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Let's close here in verse 23. In closing, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Man! Joseph almost got out. He gets out, everything's good, and he forgets about Joseph. Joseph asked him, remember me. Hey, uh, just remember me. Think on me when you get out. I, I'm, I'm in prison, I'm, and I'm going to tell you. that you know. Butler gets out. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm out. Praise God. And how y'all doing, man? I almost died, man. And then you hear about the baker. Like, whoa, Man, the baker got hanged. Whoa, man. That was just, I, I was just that close. Oh, oh man, I'm so thankful. And he forgot Joseph. That's a type of a Christian. A Christian where Jesus Christ saves you. Jesus Christ gets you out of bondage. And you get out of of bondage, you're saved, and you forget who saved you. And there's old Jesus over there. Brothers and sisters, as Christians... We should never be forgetful of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, the top's in there on the Lord's Supper table, and that's to do this and remember somebody. We should never forget that He shed His blood, that He gave His body for us. We should never forget that it's a free gift, and we got it by grace, but it cost Jesus Christ everything. So we should never forget Jesus Christ. And so many Christians have just flat forgot Him. It's sad. I'm glad he doesn't forget us. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I just uh, pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, that you would just forgive us of for our sins. Forgive us for forgetting you, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that you build a hedge of protection around every heart in this church, Lord God, that the devil can not come in and get that seed. And Father, as we give this invitation, Father, I'm just in, uh, inviting these people, Lord, anybody who doesn't know Jesus Christ so come on up here and get saved. And Father, we want to thank you that it's that simple. It's just simply putting our faith in Jesus Christ, Lord. Father, we want to thank you for the way you've taken care of us over the years, Lord. I want to thank you personally that the loved ones that I do know are saved are up in heaven, Father. And I thank you for a place like that for he- called heaven, Lord. and Father, give us the courage to witness to some of our loved ones that we are not for sure if they're going to heaven or hell, Lord. Give us the courage through your Holy Spirit, Lord God, speak through us. Don't let it be our words, Lord, let it be your words as we speak to them. And Father, I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Let's have, a, let's have a hymn of invitation. If, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your opportunity. When I was 17 years old, I heard a preacher get up just about like I am th- this morning, and he gave an invitation like I'm giving, and I walked down the aisle, and I just took, put my hand in the preacher's hand. And I said, I want to be saved. You know what happened to me? I got saved, and I've never been the same. It's just that simple to get saved. But that's why we give this invitation. You, if, if you need to come down to the prayer altar and pray, to the Lord about something between you and the Lord. Come on down. It's always open. But whatever you do, let's get right with the Lord before we leave those doors because I really believe with all my heart that the time is short. I believe the Lord can come back at any time. And when the Lord comes back, I want to be working for Him. I want to be a faithful servant and I'll be living in the world. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at indiangapbaptist.com. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and, and until next time. Casting all your care upon him.